as I was, as we were singing this morning, I heard a small voice telling me, um, can you not say anything about the blood this morning? And uh, I'd like to say it was the Lord's, but it was Olivia's. Uh, and so uh, as she sa- said that and I processed it, I just thought, yeah, we're too much focused here. I'm, I'm going to scratch what I was going to do. Um, let me just say this about, about Shivraj and Anita, if you didn't understand a lot. First of all, I had not watched that video until right now. But uh, would you please, whatever he wanted not to be on Facebook, would you guys uh, make sure that that is uh, cut out there um, so that uh, just for his own protection, I guess, uh, for their protection. So, um, if, if you didn't follow that, what the deal is, so documentation was finally starting to move. Uh, and we were, we were working on this for a long time. We, there was like seven steps. We got to step number four, I think. And then suddenly everything halted again. And there's a new requirement in India for people who are uh, coming to the States or, or I guess maybe other places. But and, and that requirement is that they have a birth certificate in their documentation, whereas previously in, in India they had not needed that. But now all of a sudden they need it. Shivraj and Anita don't have it. So they've got to go spend a month somewhere. They have to stay there for a month while they, while they get there. Maybe it was his hometown growing up or something. They have to stay there and get the birth certificate done, and then they can proceed with the documentation. So that's just the latest hurdle that they're having to jump over to try to try to get over here. So thank you for listening and thank you for for praying for them. Um, I really I, I I was gonna just say a few more words about what I talked about last week, and uh, then in light of all the focus of this service on the blood of Jesus and what Olivia said to me over there, I just thought I'm I'm gonna reread some of these these verses we read at the beginning and say a few words about it, and then we're going to uh, go into the Lord's Supper, okay? Um, isn't it a strange thing, when you stop and think about it, that we'd be singing about blood so much? And that we would have a religion that doesn't just talk about blood, but it talks about the blood of a man and says, this is really great. Get the blood on you. You need that. I mean, if we weren't so used to it, we might be grossed out. Because we're raised hearing about the blood of Jesus and we think about it so much, then we're, we're accustomed to it and so we don't get turned off by it. But uh, in reality, it's a very strange thing to say, yeah, you need somebody's blood on you. To be saved. Of course, it's metaphorical because his blood's not just getting on us uh, literally. But I mean, just imagine what that felt like to the early followers of Jesus who had watched him bleed. And uh, to the women who watched him, watched his bloody body being carried to the tomb. Imagine what it was like for people like that to begin saying, we need his blood. It's actually a strange thing. I remember reading years ago, uh, I believe it was Max Lucado who who made this comparison, but uh, he said the cross as an instrument of torture and public humiliation and death being turned into something to save people is 
akin to today, if people were, and this was back probably when it was still being practiced, uh, the electric chair. He said it'd be akin to people starting to, to talk about the electric chair as a, a saving instrument. And if people started wearing necklaces with an electric chair around or hanging pictures of an electric chair up in their homes. Or what if we had a huge electric chair standing back behind us there? That's just to give you an idea of, of uh, how crazy it is, how different a world we live in uh, where we can actually look at the cross, which was worse than the electric chair, actually, um, both physically and uh, in terms of what it represented socially. And we took, took an instrument of shame, the church took an instrument of shame and humiliation and turned it into an a icon of something beautiful where we say we glory in the cross. That's really stunning. It's a reversal of everything valuable. That's why we talked about last week, we talked about how Paul, his whole life was reversed. You know, he said, things that were gained to me, those I've counted lost for Christ. And the whole ledger got turned upside down. I don't mean the baby ledger. I mean the uh, accounting ledger. Uh, it all got flipped o- over. Uh, all the, the values were reversed. Well, it, it starts right there with the cross. It starts with this instrument of shame and torture being turned into a gift. And if that can be a gift and if that can be a glory, then all the values have to get reworked. Have to have to go back to everything and rethink them. That, and that's what happened. So let me read to you just uh, these words about the blood of Jesus. The blood that was shed on that cross. And then we'll, we'll enter into the Lord's Supper. And when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. This is from Hebrews 9 where we were this morning. And then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands that is not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places. Not by the means of, blood, of the blood of goats and calves. But by the means of its own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Of course, this is drawing on the Old Testament background, on the, the Hebrew practice of, of sacrifice at the tabernacle and, and later at the temple, where they would bring animal sacrifices, goats and calves and heifers and, and those kind of things. He's drawing on that practice. And this is uh, informing his understanding of what Jesus did for us. And Jesus didn't enter the humanly built holy places. Jesus entered the eternal holy place. And he didn't do it, this is what the book of Hebrews argues, he didn't do it like those priests did who needed to offer sacrifices for their own sins and then for the sins of others. And he didn't do it over and over again because the sins were ongoing and he had to keep being reminded. He did it once and said it's over. Because he could do something that no human priest could do. He was both the priest and the offering. He wasn't the priest who was bringing a separate offering. He was the priest and the offering. And he entered once for all, for all time, for all people. He completed it. And then this, this passage says, For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer, sanctify, set, set them apart, cleanse them in a certain way. For the purification of the flesh, to make them able to approach worship at the temple. If this can happen, how much more will the blood of Christ, 
with the blood of the king, with the blood of King Jesus. That's, that's, that's what Christ means, by the way, if you don't know that. That means Messiah. It means the, the king. How much more will the blood of King Jesus, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now here's the connection I want to make for you, and then we're just going to close out with a word of prayer. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. Truly cleanses us. And I just want to invite you to receive that word this morning. Sometimes we are burdened with guilt from our past. And may I say to you that sometimes the problem is we are minimizing the blood of Jesus. And I want to invite you here this morning to think about yourself, whatever it is that weighs you down with your past, and ask yourself, is what you have done too great for the sacrifice that Jesus offered? Do you think that his blood cannot cleanse you? I want to invite you not to minimize the great love and goodness of God. That's really what we see with the blood of Jesus. It represents how far he will go in love to save people, to save sinners. And Jesus offered himself. So that you will know you've done nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Will you receive that cleansing this morning? Will you receive the purification from your past? But here, guess how this works, okay? This works not just by sitting around and making a a swap. You know, where uh, somebody's called it vampire Christianity. We get a little blood from Jesus and we're like, oh, I got it. I'm good. It works by taking it in, and it becomes an order of life. And I think we could maybe talk about this both in terms of spiritual realities and practical realities, psychological realities. But what happens is we are cleansed from our sin as a part of entering life with Christ. And we can't actually live to greater spiritual heights without having an understanding that we're really clean before God. You're always going to be, be burdened and beat down, and that's going to make you do ugly things if you don't receive the forgiveness that God brings and offers through the blood of Jesus. At the same time, though, the blood of Jesus is given to us not just so we'll suck a little of that blood out and then go in our life living like we've always done. Because this passage says, may the blood of Jesus Christ, who offered himself through the eternal spirit without blemish to God, purify our conscience, not just to feel better about ourselves. Although we do feel better about ourselves. <laughs> but not just to feel better about ourselves, but purify our conscience from dead works. To serve the living God.
That's the invitation. Have you been living in dead works? Maybe you've been living in dead works because you've thought you can't escape the dead works you did before the dead works you're now doing. (laughs) How about giving all that up? How about giving up your past and letting the blood of Jesus cleanse it? How about giving up your present hang-ups and saying, the blood of Jesus can cleanse me now and lead me into a fuller and richer life of obedience to the Lord? May the Lord Jesus cleanse us all from dead works to serve the living God. Will you pray with me? Our dear Father, you have gone so far to welcome us and receive us back to yourself. May every person here now know the great, great love that you have for us. And the people who have come here carrying burdens of guilt, may it be cleansed this morning. Cleansed from their conscience as they partake of the body and the blood of the Lord at this table this morning. May they take in cleansing power. And may this cleansing then lead them to put away dead works and serve the living God. You are living our dear God and Father, and we thank you that you live not just at a distance, but right here with us. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.